Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. KIPP, for short, brings you an exclusive look at the nature of humanity as we interface with culture and society in and out of our relationship with God. It explores the unique and contrasting position of having a biblical worldview versus a secular or societal worldview. I will explore these topics using the powerful and dynamic tools of the didactic narrative, teaching a relevant truth through storytelling, biblical exposition, teaching Bible principles, and of course, real talk. My background scans a diversity of over 35 years of work in education, government, law, ministry, business development, and consulting, respectively. Each guest speaker will bring a variety of wisdom and insight to life topics and situations that we encounter on a daily basis. So all I need you to do now as listeners is to sit back and enjoy the podcast, spread the word about KIPP, the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I will be your host, Derek L. Calhoun. That's hashtag KIP, hashtag KIP. Help me to make KIP your favorite Friday podcast. Now, let's get started. Hey, 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 KIP Nation. Wow, wow. I can't believe the fall is rapidly approaching. We're at the end of September. Next week will be the 1st of October. Whoa. So we are right around the corner from the holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I know you're all preparing for these kinds of things. But we're also in the middle of a very interesting period in the history of the body of Christ. Um, There's a lot going on in terms of uh, ministry development where God is sending people to various uh, positions around the world. He's repositioning the body of Christ for victory. And uh, there are many things. Those of us who've been transferred around the world, uh, I don't understand. But we don't have to understand it. We just have to be available. So be available. If God calls you to do something or say something or be somewhere where you are not necessarily comfortable, just remember, you don't have to be comfortable. He's comfortable. All right. As long as God is comfortable and as long as God is speaking through you, we're going to be just fine. So I want to welcome the, the listening audience of the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I call you Kingdom Influencing Nation uh, all over the world. Thank you for sharing and subscribing and sharing again and making sure that your friends and neighbors and members of your immediate circle are a part of the Kingdom Influencing Nation. I thank God for all of you. Thank you for uh Purchasing the book, Pressing to the Power, A Journey to Healing and Breakthrough. That's on Christian Book Distributors, also on Amazon, also on Barnes and Nobles and their other Cokesbury Press, other platforms that you can find my latest book. Uh, I hope it blesses you. And when you finish it, please don't forget, make sure you go online and complete a review. All right. Let us know how this book blessed you. Today, I want to talk from the topic, the holy mistress, the holy mistress. And and let, let me say this before I get into this topic. It's going to be a definite part one and part two. But I, I want to say this. 
This is not for you to dismantle or deconstruct the church. This is not that kind of a podcast. This podcast is really for pastors and leaders and those in the church who are intercessors, who understand the necessity of praying for their pastors, for lifting up the hands of their pastors, because being a pastor is one of the most difficult jobs in the world. We all remember uh, what uh, an article that was written in, um, oh my goodness, Forbes magazine a few years ago. And Forbes magazine said the three most difficult jobs in the world. Listen to this. Three most difficult jobs in the world. Not necessarily in this order. They didn't choose an order. They just put them out there. President of the United States. The president of a hospital uh, administration. You know, administration. And then a pastor. So I want you to, to hear that. And with that. With everything that I shared today. That there's grace. That there's mercy that there's, you know, the power of God to move us from one degree of grace to another. And we're all growing. We are all growing. And as your pastor goes, so do you go. The anointing flows from the head down. So this is not time to criticize and critique. This is time to get your prayer garment on and begin to pray. Some of the areas that you hear, you need to pray about. You need to be a prayer warrior and not a finder of uh, minuscule condemnation because you think you know what you're talking about. You don't have a clue. You're not a pastor. You've never been a pastor. You have no idea what your pastor and your uh, or your pastors are going through in your church or the first family. You have no idea. So since you don't, and since I do, after pastoring for over 20 years, I want you to be in prayer for them. Because this message is intended to help them, to build them up, to encourage them, and to make sure that some of the pitfalls that are available to pastors are avoided. Okay? So, make sure you understand that. I needed to put that in the front of this message before I get started and before folks start tripping. Because I don't need you tripping, alright? I need you praying. If you Are you with me? Kip Nation, you with me? Let's pray. Let's pray. God bless these pastors that listen to this broadcast. Bless the first family. Bless, Lord God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us to hear with our hearts, Lord God. Let us write it on the tables of our heart that we might not sin against thee. For at the end of the day, it's not about the church. It's about you. We want to make sure that you get the glory. So, Lord God, let this be a... Uh, uh, a meaningful podcast that will bless pastors around the world. All right. All right. Both male and female. Okay. In Jesus name. Amen. So today I want to speak to pastors, both male and female. And I know that the, the, the language will partly, partly be male oriented, but to the sisters out there, to the pastors who are women understand uh, how to make transition with what's being said. You make the proper transition. And I know you're a pastor. You know how to do that. So uh, God touched me last night, three o'clock in the morning. I woke up and uh, he just said, here, I have something I want to say. So I'm not going to try to uh, squash the waters or anything. I'm just going to hit it. Let God be God. Let God be glorified. And this is what he said to me. He said, but this is this is critical to existence, to the existence of the church 
and the sustainability of the church. So I'm just going to let it fly. So let me say this. The first representative of God in the earth was Adam. Hey, and Adam was the first representative of the church in the earth. So just in case you don't know, the church is not a building. So let's get that straight. The church is not a building. You may go to a building, but the people in the building are the people that actually make up the church. Okay, so the church is not a building, but the church is really a group of people that have been called out by God. The Greek word for church, ecclesia, the called out. Okay, so wherever a group of people gather together in the name of God, they become the church. Wherever you are as a believer is the church. So if you're at work, you're the church at work. You're the church at the football game. You're the church wherever you go. Everywhere we go, we represent the church. Okay, so God called all of us and you all know should know this who are born again are saved from darkness to the light. We, we were in all kind of stuff doing all kind of craziness. At least I know I was. And for those of you who can speak truth in your life, you know you were too. Adam was created from the dark dust of the earth and the rural wind or the spirit of God was blown into his nostrils. Man then became a living being. From the beginning of time, we were created to worship. We were created to worship God. Before the fall, the garden only had to be dressed and kept. So let me kind of elaborate on the word dressed and kept i know i've done this before i'm gonna go a little bit deeper than i've usually gone and i'm going to use something uh from john w rittenbaugh who writes for the berean.org and i thought it was just a, a great analogy that would help make this plain and clear in the king james version the word meaning tend or cultivate is to dress okay the Hebrew means to work at. In 1611, when the King James Version was translated, the word dress meant to set in order. But gradually, it was applied to a decorative details, to embellish. So when we get dressed, if you will, we set things in order, and then we embellish ourselves with the kind of clothes we wear, the makeup, the earrings, whatever we do to make ourselves stand out in the crowd or to feel better about ourselves or however our dress ethic is, okay? Today we say that we are going to dress. We include both parts of the definition. When we say we're going to dress, we include both parts. So we put ourselves in order and we embellish how we look. In modern Bibles, dress has been translated tend or cultivate. They have subtle meanings that are slightly different from dress. Tend means to pay attention to, to serve. For example, I'm going to tend to the dishes. It means to apply oneself to the care of, to manage the operations of. And some of you already see where I'm going. Cultivate, on the other hand, which is the best of the three definitions, means to put through a finishing process to foster the growth of or to further or encourage. Neither dress or tend is wrong. But cultivate most accurately applies the Hebrew meaning of the original word. There is the word keep as well. When we keep something, we are to, uh, it means to guard, to preserve, to be faithful to, and to maintain. So think about this as an analogy. God calls us to uh, keep and to dress and to keep. 
when he says that, he's meaning for us to take care of, to to make something better, to finish the process. I've gotten you started, but you have to finish the process to foster the growth of, to further or to encourage. And at the same time, he wants us to keep, to guard, preserve, secure, to be faithful to and to maintain. That has always been the original intent of what God expects out of man when God puts something in the hands of men that includes the church, that includes our spouses, that includes our children, that includes the word of God, that includes our teaching, our preaching. He's expecting us to make it better, to to enhance it, to to use it to help others, to to forge a a relationship and, and build bridges that help people find God. So watch this. God has given man powers to carry out the responsibility that has been given into his hands to have dominion. Man must do the following. Put what has been placed into his hands through a finishing process. Watch over it, guard it, protect it, and preserve its beauty. And this is not limited to the church. This is also our marital relationships. This is also our relationships with our children. This is also our relationship with our coworkers. This is also the relationship with our staff. All of these things have to be cultivated. Are, are you catching me? Let me read this again. Man must do the following. Put what has been placed into his hands through a finishing process. Watch over it, guard it, protect it, and preserve its beauty. Are you are you with me? So the man by dressing and keeping essentially worships God by doing what God requests of him. So when we're obedient to God, we are worshiping God because we are demonstrating how much he means to us. Worship is a demonstration of how much God is worth to us. And one of those points of demonstration, of course, is our obedience to God. And people don't realize this, but we need to read the word so we know what we're supposed to be obedient to. All right. When we are obedient to God, it becomes a tangible representation or expression of our love for God. So then my work becomes a part of my worship and my worship is my work. This is a quote that I borrowed from uh, my spiritual grandfather, Ed Savoso, that helps us to understand that my work is my worship and my worship is my work. The scripture goes on to talk about the incomplete nature of man. As we are reading through the Bible and he gives us directions about keeping and addressing and tending, uh, then he goes on to just say man is incomplete and that he needs a helpmate. It is not good that a man should be alone. The woman was then made from Adam's rib. She would be the protector, watch this, of all of his vital organs, but specifically his heart. She would be his helpmate or the revealer of the enemy. So she was made from his rib. And if she was made from his rib, we know the rib protects the vital organs. And that's how we come up with that uh, physical uh, denotation. But there's also, as helpmate, she is the revealer of the enemy. She is the one who will tell you what you don't see. Ask me how I know. She is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So they would get married and the man would leave his father and mother and cleave, cling, or be joined to his wife and the two shall be one flesh. This again is a foreshadowing of what Jesus said in John 17 that he and the father are one. 
the the wife and the husband should also be one all right this union that represents the church in the new testament requires a selflessness in order to be fully fulfilled or to be fulfilled properly you you can't be into yourself and you and your wife be one or you and your husband be one it, that's impossible you have to relinquish who you are in order to embrace who they are and you come together and you remove those things which are not necessary for the growth and development of your marriage or your covenant okay so god has been given god has given man powers to carry out the responsibility that has been given into his hands in order for him to have dominion so man must do the following again i'm gonna say this again and it's so important. Again, this is John W. Rittenbaugh, not me, but this is what he said. Put what has been placed into his hands through a finishing process. Watch over it, guard it, protect it, preserve his beauty. So what would happen if man became obsessed with the garden and forgot his care of his rib? This is something that happens to us all the time. We forget about the essential things the essential things because the relationship between a man and a woman is a relationship between Christ and the church. And we'll talk about that next week. We're not going to do that this week. So who, so what happens if man became obsessed with the garden and forgot the care of his rib? Or what if man became obsessed with the church and forgot the care of his family or his wife, who you are then becomes more important than what you do. Who you are becomes more important than what you do. But what you do is should be a reflection of who you are. But if it's only a re public reflection and not a private reflection, it's got a problem. In other words, your public persona and your private persona ought to match. If everything is excellent in church, everything ought to be excellent at home, vice versa. If everything's excellent at home, everything ought to be excellent in church. Are you catching this? So the person you are joined, connected, and in a covenant with through marriage is only second to God. God first, then that wife. You, you have a wife or you have a husband that we must love. Amen. All right. So neither the church, the sheep, or the cares of shepherding precede the care of your wife because the two have become one. So we're loving our wives as we love ourselves. Love your neighbor as you love yourselves. You cannot split them. Okay? You cannot split them or have fracture between them. The husband and the wife and expect for the church to be whole. If the husband and the wife have fracture or a split between them or a space between them because a little space becomes a big space. When we start seeing a small separation in a relationship between spouses, it is time to have those crucial conversations. It is time to put some things on hold and to have some meetings and to make sure that we protect the solvency of the church by protecting the solvency of the marriage. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. So if the representatives of the head of the church, Christ, are split or fractured, then the church becomes ripe for all the attacks of the enemy. If the head's not together, the body won't be together. All right. How many of you are listening and have ever seen a small pebble, particularly a highway pebble, hit your glass? 
it will hit your glass and you'll see this small star until the fracture begins to run. And then it runs like crazy. Eventually the glass looks terrible. Visibility is obstructed and the windshield needs to be replaced. The bigger part of what was once a small secret has now become a public oddity. The moral of the story is to take the love of Jesus Christ and take care of your internal problems before they become external minefields or eyesores. As pastors, we cannot call the church to be worshipers and we're not worshipers. A very central part of pastoring is a demonstration of how the two have become one because the church, you want it to grow in family units. Amen. So we have to have a tight family unit so that the people have an example of what, I, what and how a tight family unit functions. All right. So here it is. This tight family unit sets the gold standard for the horizontal requirement of man to love his neighbor as himself. The husband loves his wife as himself. The wife loves the husband as herself. Our wives or spouses are tangibly and biblically our first neighbor and our love must be evident. For a man's perspective, I can always tell when a husband does not treat their wife properly just by looking at her deportment. We can say we love God, his church. We can't say that we love God and his church when our family does not represent that first level of pastoring or shepherding. If our physical and spiritual house isn't in order, complete and nurtured properly, then we will be initially seen as a public success until we're exposed as private failures. That's my spiritual father used to always like hammer that into me. The Bible is clear that if we cannot run our homes, how can we run the church? If our homes are disintegrating, then the church will not be far behind it. The anointing starts from the top and flows down. So don't let the church or work or ministry, your job or your reputation to the public become more important than the preservation of your family. The public persona will walk away and leave you naked. The power and anointing you possess will be redistributed to another as Saul. You will be naked and ashamed. And isn't that the real the real? of the Genesis story. So read it again until you come to the conclusion, the revelation and the conclusion that Adam didn't cover his wife properly. So don't let the pursuit of power, prestige, persona through your ministry, church or job become your mistress because if it does, what you should be getting and providing at home will be provided by your mistress and once you make an alliance with her, she will own you until she destroys you. If you are a woman shepherding, reverse the roles where appropriate, no one is above the standards of God. The aforementioned dichotomy is for you. Don't blow this off. Sit down, have a crucial conversation with your spouse today and start repairing the breach or the glass before it shatters. Remember this, Isaiah 118, come and let us reason together. You've been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun, the author of Pressing to the Power, A Journey into Health and Breakthrough. Uh, I am here on uh, most major pop podcast platforms throughout the world. So you can tune in. You can share this with your friends. I know this is going to bless someone out there. Don't be afraid to share it. Share it. Let people hear it, particularly pastors 
Let them hear it and let it bless them. And you be a prayer warrior for them. Pray for pastors. Pray for their families. Pray for their children. Pray for the ministry. Pray for their leadership. Pray for their anointing. Pray for them. That's your job. Not to critique them. Not to criticize them. Not to get in their business. Not to talk about them around the dinner table. Our job is to pray for our pastors. Okay? So, remember, that's a good thing to say because October 1 is Pastors Appreciation Month. Next month will be a wonderful time to show your pastor some love. So, gifts and uh, uh, anything that you can share with them, a card, an, an email, uh, financially, financial gifts. Give a tangible financial gift. Bless them. Just tell them, hey, this is just a gift to show you how much you mean to me, you and your family. All right? Be a blessing. And, of course, if you become a blessing, people will eventually bless you. All right? Press down, shaking together, shall men give unto your bosom. All right? So I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have enjoyed this broadcast. Don't forget to share it. In Jesus' name, have a great week. And remember, go and influence the nations.